This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly from Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra podcast this weekend. Joined by James Park, the CEO of Fitbit. Great to have you with us. So much going on with Fitbit right now. Bring us up to date. New products coming out. A lot of news this week. Yeah, we just announced a few new products. We uh, announced Inspire and Inspire HR, which are our new low-cost, affordable trackers. We also announced Versa Lite, which is a lower-cost, more affordable version of our top-selling Versa smartwatch, along with Ace2, uh, our successor to an amazing kids product that we launched last year. Talk to us about the strategy and where you see kind of Fitbit going as a result of some of the new products you're announcing this week. Absolutely. A large focus for Fitbit is really about growing our user community, what we call our active users. Mm -hmm. Last year, we grew our active users 10% to almost 28 million active users. That's one of the largest uh, online health and fitness communities in the world. And our strategy is to lower ASPs, increase the number of active users that we have, and later this year, uh, launch and monetize our user base with a paid premium offering. James, I'm always curious about once you get a user, how sticky is it? How, how often do they stay with you? Yeah, health and fitness is always a challenging thing yeah. for people to stick with, but we've been incredibly happy with our attention of our users, and that's a testament to the innovation that we're bringing in both our hardware and software. Our active users are increasing every year. What's the retention rate? Uh, we don't break that it's out. Just but a month, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but you're happy with it. I'm happy with it. And, and does I it think continue to improve? It's It's been improving over time as we roll out continuous new features, both on hardware and software. So let's talk about the software side, because you know you mentioned this paid premium product coming out later this year. I have a Fitbit. I'm wearing my Ionic now. I do use the app but, you know, fairly frequently to just sort of check in, being a data geek and, and all that. Um, what needs to come for that? How do you get people even more addicted to to that app? Absolutely. A lot of what we've delivered in the app historically has just been data, numbers, scores, graphs, et cetera. Um, What we feel will bring a lot of value to our users is actually something beyond that. So what do I do with the data? So it'll all be about coaching, guidance, and premium content around sleep, nutrition, exercise, mindfulness, et cetera, and bringing together a holistic solution that tells people, what should I do next? How do I improve? That's the next step for us. And so do you develop all that organically? Are there partnerships? We're going to get to another partnership in in a second around the, the health uh, arena. But you know, there are so many apps out there. I feel like I see a new one every day, whether it, especially on the mindfulness side, whether it's Calm or Headspace or others. Uh, how do you make that work in this sort of sea of opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a combination of stuff that we develop yeah. along with partner content as well. And one of the more interesting things is uh, we acquired a company called Twine Health last year that we mm-hmm. relaunched as Fitbit Care. Uh, that's bringing personalized human coaching to a lot of these fitness and health goals. And, you know, at some point we'll be making that available to consumers as well. You know, there's fitness and health and then there is health and healthcare. And I, I know this has been certainly a focus for you guys in terms of kind of wrapping, ramping up that health solutions business. Talk to us a little bit about that. What's the growth potential and where do you see that going? And because you're, and you're doing collaborations, right, with a lot of healthcare companies. Absolutely. We just announced a new partnership today with a company right. called Solera around diabetes management. So a lot of what we're doing is focused on helping people with more serious chronic disease conditions like diabetes, uh, heart health, uh, sleep disorders, mental health. And we've partnered up with over 680 clinical research partners, uh, over 1,500 employers, and over 100 health plans, including Humana, United Healthcare, uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. 
And that healthcare portion of our business is growing incredibly uh, well. 8% year-over-year growth last year, double-digit growth this year. We're projecting to be about $100 million business for us. How does that work, though? When you So when you hook up with a, an employer, um, is it a case that all the employees get one of your devices, one of your wearables, or how does it work? Uh, you're, you're pretty close to the mark. So most of the employers will either fully subsidize or partially subsidize a device and software and services for their employees, similarly with health plans. Uh, one of the more interesting developments is that we're actually in a, a covered benefit in 42 Medicare Advantage plans mm-hmm. in 27 states. In a lot of those cases, plan members are getting Fitbit devices for free. It's one of the first times that you know a device like ours has been part of a Medicare Advantage plan. And then what happens with the data? I'm always curious about, right? Because data is valuable and it can make a product much more useful. But also right? very personal. But very personal. Yeah. So, And I think right now we're in this environment, like who owns that data? Absolutely. The data is really under the control of our users. And so we've always had a philosophy and it's enshrined in our privacy policy that we will never sell data to third parties. That's not our business model. And we'll only share your data with your explicit opt-in consent. So we're not an advertising company like a lot of the tech giants out there. So users have come to trust us with their data. But James, the healthcare companies that you work with, they have access to that data or do they not? It's only an anonymized de-identified okay. form. Okay. It so is. they don't know exactly who you are. Unless you share that and opt in explicitly. All right, let's talk a little bit about the competitive landscape because we're sitting here across the table from you. I've got my Fitbit. Carol's got her. I used to have a Fitbit. I had a jawbone, a Fitbit. Now I have an Apple Watch. (laughs) What does it look like out there right now? Because a lot of the same things you're talking about, especially as it relates to health, we hear your counterpart Tim Cook talk about as well. Everybody's sort of going after this space. How do you differentiate there? How do you differentiate in general from? The competitor. I think the great thing is the healthcare industry is such a gargantuan industry that there's a lot of room for multiple players to take different approaches and compete and succeed. Uh, for us in particular, um, you know, two years ago, we had no smartwatch business. Uh, we launched Ionic, which you're wearing, and uh, Versa, and today Versa Lite, uh, we announced the product. And, you know, in a matter of two years, we've become the number two smartwatch player in the United States. You know, beating out a lot of other tech giants, whether it's Samsung, Android Wear, et cetera. So I think we've become incredibly successful. And for us, you know, it's not just the devices, it's about the devices, the data that you mentioned, our active users, our community, and a lot of the work that we're doing with healthcare, especially with large health plans. How tough is it, though? Are you constantly looking over your shoulder? Because I do feel like it's such a competitive space. Well, that's the nature of technology. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, we'll be celebrating our 12th anniversary as a company yeah. uh, in a few weeks. So I I think it's a testament to our ability to continuously innovate. I think what's interesting too is this Fitbit Ace Two and tapping into the ki- into kids. That is interesting to me, especially when you see um, the childhood obesity rates and so on. Tell me a little bit about that market for yeah, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, adults are having a lot of you know chronic obesity rates in the U.S. are going up, not just for adults, but particularly for kids as right. well. Inactivity, uh, a lot of screen time, which is reducing physical activity and physical play. And so we launched a product last year called Ace. It was kind of our tiptoe into this water of trying to help kids become more healthy. It did uh, a lot better than we expected. And so we decided to invest in a new product called ACE2. And we added a lot more features, which make uh, the product much more fun and engaging for kids. We've expanded the age range and made the uh, product available to younger kids by designing the band in the appropriate way. So we're pretty excited about the product. And it's really a passion of mine to see that the innovations that we're bringing is not just available 
to uh, you know people of higher income, right. but that it's available to a wide range of people and across a lot of different ages. That's an interesting point because I feel like Jason and I, we talk, when, especially when a lot of these gadgets, the price point, right? Some of these things can be so expensive that you automatically, it's just a certain sector of the consumer population that's out there. It sounds like you guys are thinking about that a lot. Yeah. For us, uh, we think of Fitbits should be available for anyone and everybody, not just the most well-off. And you kind of see that in the smartphone category where these prices are just going through the roof, Um, you know, there'll always be a room in our portfolio for higher priced products, for the higher end athlete, et cetera. But when it comes to people's health, it really needs to be affordable and accessible. Right. All right. So take us inside the company a little bit. You know, we've talked a little bit about the competitive landscape. How are you leading, hiring, recruiting these days, especially with that, you know, you're a number two, you've got a little bit of an underdog uh, mentality, maybe at times with uh, with Apple specifically. Uh, Take us inside headquarters there in San Francisco. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that, you know, what attracts people to work at Fitbit is really the mission of the company. It's to make everyone in the world healthier through data, through inspiration and guidance. So it's a self-selecting group of people that choose to work for us, not only uh, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, where we're headquartered, but we have multiple offices around the world. And so it's that mission that really resonates with the people that work here. Um, Is it tough finding employees, though, at this point? Uh, You know, there's always that challenge. But again, it's that mission. People are attracted to the mission. We're just not your standard run-of-the-mill tech company. Where do you guys go in terms of future products? And I bring it out because there were some statistics this week about wearables overall. And when they talk about wearables, it's not just smartwatches. They talk about earpods and so on and so forth. Ear biometrics. Is this something that will ultimately be part of Fitbit? Uh, possible. You know, I always can't talk about the future roadmap. But for us, you know, we do think there's room for devices beyond the wrist. Uh, we actually have a connected uh, body fat and weight scale that yeah. really helps people lose weight and keep track of, of their health. So um, for people to be really successful, whether it's losing weight, becoming more active, sleeping better, it's not just going to be about one device, but it's going to be about multiple devices and more importantly, software and a community of users that helps you along the way. So without giving away the roadmap, take us around the corner a little bit. What have you discovered about people's habits? What have you discovered about how people use either their devices or the app uh, that that might have surprised you as you get to know your users more and more? Yeah, in some ways, uh, you know, one interesting stat for us is that the power of peer pressure and your friends and family really helps. So what we've discovered is that <laughs> people true. with over five friends on Fitbit walk uh, eight 819 more steps per day than someone with no friends on Fitbit. And 819 steps doesn't sound a lot, but actually over the course of a month, it adds up to over 12 miles additionally in that month. So every little step helps. That is so funny to think about the story that was in the magazine recently about the the workout things that work is where you develop some kind of community and doing it with friends. Got to ask you one more question just because we're Bloomberg. You guys recently reported earnings. Stock sold off, I think, about 14%. There was some disappointment on the street about the forecast. What can you tell us? Yeah. So for us, when we look at um, our results, we exceeded our guidance both in revenue and EPS. Uh, in Q4. Uh, you know, so we continue to hit our financial commitments. I think some of the highlights are the fact that uh, for us, device shipments in Q4 grew year over year for the first time in two years. So it's been a long journey for us to try to turn around this company. Right. In Q4, uh, you know, we're starting to see the first signs of that turnaround. And we, when we look at our guidance for 2019, we're projecting a revenue growth of about 1% to 4%. Again, 
revenue growth for the first time in two years, and we're expecting to grow, grow our unit shipments year over year. Do you ever worry, though, about an economic downturn and what it means for your business, or do you feel like these are the types of products that people have no matter what? Look, I think that, again, goes into our strategy of making sure that these products are affordable and accessible to a right. lot more people, broadening our reach and our attractiveness. And I think that's a good hedge and defensive measure against any you know, macroeconomic factors. James, great to catch up with you. Congrats on the new products and eager to see what comes next. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra podcast. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday, starting at 2 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm Carol Masser, and this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.